0: Tonight you can uh, turn in your Bibles to Galatians 5 again. Galatians 5. We're continuing our series uh, going through the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, so we're going to start in Galatians and we'll kind of jump off from there. As we've been going through, uh, the thing that's been reiterated uh, over and over again, I believe, is the fact that these fruits of the Spirit are descriptors of the Christian. These are things that describe What a Christian is. Who a Christian is. These are not prescriptions of how you become a Christian. These are things that the Holy Spirit does in us. And they are the fruits. That's a good word. The fruits of his work in us. So the more we become like Christ, the more we will be all of these things, loving and patient and, and kind and good, as I think you saw last week. And then tonight we're going to look at the seventh of the nine fruits of the Spirit. We're going to look at faithfulness. Let's go ahead and read, though, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, and we'll get our bearings and then we'll go from there. Galatians five twenty-two says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law now again we have to see uh that these are descriptions so how uh, we're going to look tonight at how the spirit of god works faith in us that may be a weird way to say that but that's what we're going to look at tonight and i believe it is my belief that uh that this this descriptor this fruit of the spirit, faithfulness, is one of the most crucial of all the ones that is listed here. Yes, love is mentioned first, but I think faithfulness is one that we have to be careful of how we define it, because it will greatly change how you live the Christian life. And I say it's crucial because, believe it or not, there's a lot of misconceptions that arise when you start talking about faith and faithfulness. And why do you think that is? Well, it's because, believe it or not, the Bible never explicitly, in your face, defines what faith is. Yes, it defines what love is. Love is uh, uh, someone laying down their life for another, as it says, I think, in the Gospels. And then Jesus goes on to say, but I have laid myself down for my friends. And he says, you are my friends. Um, and it says elsewhere in the Gospels that uh, the, 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 one of the greatest w- w- pictures of love is for uh, someone to lay themselves down for their enemies, as I think it says in Romans. Um, so love, we have a clear definition. We can even go to First Corinthians 13. But believe it or not, faith doesn't have a clear definition. You may be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, what, what about Hebrews 11? <laughs> well, okay, let's go there. Uh, you can turn to Hebrews 11 because we'll be kind of going there too. Hebrews 11, many people uh, believe, and they use these verses to define faith, and I'm not faulting them for that. They appear to define faith, says in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Me, personally, I would believe that these verses, Hebrews 11.1, Hebrews 11.6, and throughout the whole chapter, what it's doing, what the writer of Hebrews is doing, he's not necessarily prescribing what uh, faith, he's sort of showing you what faith does. So faith makes you and allows you and strengthens you and gives you the confidence to, as it says in verse 1, hope for the reality of things not seen. The thing's not um, uh, evidence in our real life. And, I would, it, it, and that's important that we, w- that we see that because throughout the Bible, the faith, the biblical faith is, is, it is pictured for us and it is also presumed on us. It is never sort of prescribed. We're never really told a formula of here's steps, one, two, and three, and this is how you get faith. It's just sort of presumed and it's pictured. We're shown what faith does. I think that's what Hebrews 11 does. That's what Hebrews 11:6 does. Look at 11:6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith allows you, it frees you to please the Lord. So we have to take a step back and know how do we get faith. Uh, that's what I want to look at tonight because I think it's important that we see uh, how to get it, so to speak. And then we can, I think a lot of these verses will kind of open up for us. So what is biblical faith then? We can ask that question. Well, to answer that question, let's first of all see what faith is not. Because I think in order to see what faith truly is in its essence, we have to see what it's not. Um, and uh, first of all, by we're just going to talk about those two headings. Um, but first of all, we have to see that your faith is not perfect. Your faith is not perfect. I am a testament to that. I can testify to you tonight that my faith has never been 100% perfect all the time. <laughs> and I, I would venture to say that you can say the same thing. <laughs> Most of the time, my faith shows that it's not perfect when I'm driving. <laughs> uh, because people do not know how to drive. No, uh, I just see it more because I think I know better. No, uh, anyways, your faith is not perfect. And I don't think it's supposed to be. You know, some people uh, like to believe that that when you have faith in Jesus, you are putting on sort of a Superman suit that allows you to have uh, things bounce off of you that you're you become sort of impervious to uh, suffering or uh, impervious to anything that uh, happens in life, and you know those prosperity gospel preachers will say that if you want to get rid of the negatives in your life, just have more faith or just give me a nice donation, and then you won 't have anything wrong, and that that 's an evidence of your faith right You just have to have more of it, and then and the reason why you 're having all these negative things in your life is because obviously you 're not faithful obviously. You're not being uh, faithful in your uh, walk with God, right? You're not naming and claiming this thing. So obviously God is, is, is trying to judge you for that or something like that. That is not faith. Faith, by the way, is not a force field against suffering. It doesn't block you away from being phased by life. I mean, how many can, you don't have to raise your hands, but just think in your heads, how many of you have been tested and tried severely after you have put your faith in Jesus Christ? Most likely, it's all every one of us here. We've all been tested and tried and put through the fire, as it says in 1 Peter, uh, because God is refining our faith to make it more like his. Faith doesn't make you a superhero. And actually, I think sometimes we can see that um, we look at these people in the Bible as if they are superheroes. You know, Hebrews 11, uh, the, the, the famous chapter called the Hall of Faith, so to speak, where it lists all these people and what they did. And that you can see the faith of Abraham and Moses and Joseph and this person, that person. We're made to see these quote-unquote heroes of the faith but they're actually not heroes, I don't think. I don't, I don't think these people are heroic, especially not because of their faith. They're heroic because Jesus was faithful for them. They often failed many times. Moses failed. Joseph, he failed. Abraham failed. Gideon. Gideon is always lofted up as this guy who is super, super faithful. If you read those passages in, in, in Judges... Where it's talking about Gideon and he's going up against those massive armies and he's whittling down, uh, God is whittling down his army. That's actually a, a story about how Gideon is, his faith is being tested over and over again. He he is actually not courageous, believe it or not. Gideon is not the courageous, superhuman, uh, awesome hero that we paint him to be. He's actually a man who doubts. <laughs> and what does God do to this doubting guy? He he takes his army from thirty thousand to three hundred and he's like, okay, now I'll go into battle. <laughs> so uh, the, the, we have to see the, the these people, these heroes, these figures of the Bible, as uh, people that guess what they 're just like us they 're humans who who fell and they they failed and they had faults and they had doubts and through it all, what they were made to see is that that they weren 't made to be remembered because of their faith but because of god 's faith that 's why they we remember we remember them because of they the Christ that they point us to that the the true and better joseph is the uh Jesus Christ who who is our brother we can go on from there so we have to see your faith is not perfect it doesn't uh, it's not a force field against suffering or anything like that but also number 2 i think this is important your faith is not blind that's an important one to think about, to ponder, to chew on. Because uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of teachers will try and, and try and get you around this idea that, that, that the more fear that's involved, the more faith you have to have. So therefore, that type of faith is of more spiritual value, right? So the more you don't know, the more you just have to trust God. So that's what real faith is. I, I don't. I don't think that's, that's true. You know, there's kind of this movement that says that, uh, that, that, that this true biblical faith is found when you sort of abandon all your possessions, just get rid of everything that you have in this life, and you just go to some uh, foreign uh, field and you pioneer for Jesus. I don't think, that, yeah, maybe sometimes God is calling you to do that, but I don't think that that is the, that's not the standard for biblical faith. God is not calling every one of us here to go off to Timbuktu to serve him in some way. Sometimes he's calling us to this location and we have to be responsible to, with our locality. I think that's important to remember. You know, sometimes it, it, it kind of reminds me of this thing as, as if you were like a pilot and you just put on your, 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 your jet on autopilot, right? And you're like, oh, God's going to come through. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fly this plane at all. Because God's going to come through. So I can put on autopilot and just sit down. How many? There's so many stories about pilots that have done that and they've crashed planes into the sides of mountains. (laughs) To take that to a spiritual sense, faith in God doesn't allow you to put your spirituality on autopilot. You are still responsible for the things that are in your life. You are still responsible for the people that are in your life. So we're not all just called to uh, have some sort of blind faith as if we're sort of leaping into the dark and just God's going to catch me. No, that that's not faith. So moving quickly to what faith is, there's like this common, you know, illustration when people, teachers are talking about faith that, you know, it's like this chair, right? I know that this chair is going to hold me. So my faith is pictured when I sit in this chair and I'm held up. (laughs) Yeah, Sort of but i want to I want to go a little bit further than that because it 's not a chair that we 're putting our faith in, and when I want to tell you about what faith is, I want to sort of tell you this story about this guy. Have many of you have heard of the missionary John G. Patton? Have you heard of this guy no i didn 't think so uh, he 's sort of a not a super well known missionary. But John G. Patton was a missionary to the, uh, New Hebride Islands in, um, the South Pacific. Uh, that's, that's sort of like near Fiji and the Solomon Islands. He was a missionary there in like the late 1800s. Um, and he went there, uh, at, in service for Jesus Christ and he went there and they didn't have, they, they didn't have a written, uh, codified language. They had something verbal, but it was nothing written down. So he began being in, in, and. uh, um, living with them, and he began trying to figure out how he was going to translate the Bible. And so he kept picking up on words and phrases and, and little things, and he kept noting them in this notebook. And so he was, he was, he was working on a uh, New Testament translation. And what he began to realize, believe it or not, there was no word in their verbal v- vocabulary for the ideas of belief or trust or faith. They had no sort of uh, phonics for that, so to speak. So obviously, that would pose a problem if you're trying to translate the New Testament. <laughs> if you don't have something to convey that idea. So one day, though, uh, John G. Patton and this one of his friends from the village, a native, they were out hunting. And so they came back and they were, they were very exhausted from this long and grueling hunt. And so they just sat down in these two chairs kind of overlooking the South Pacific Ocean And as we were there, the native that sat down next to him, he says, My, it is good to stretch yourself out here. (laughs) Obviously, he was taken in by the the views and the scenes. and, And Patton was struck by that phrase, to stretch yourself out here. And he was so struck by it that he hurriedly ran and he put that phrase in his notebook. And he actually used that phrase in his translation of the New Testament. So you could read John 3.16 like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever stretcheth himself out upon the Savior should not perish. I love that picture. I love the picture that what faith is, is stretching yourself out on Jesus. It's something that you... that. What, was that, what does that look like? It, it, it's an abandonment of your dreams, your desires, your longings, all these sorts of things, and you're stretching yourself out on Jesus' mercy and grace and strength for you. And believe it or not, what what also, that goes into what we said earlier, that your faith is not blind. Because guess what? The Bible will never call your faith to believe be blind. It never calls you to believe in something that that you can't or don't know. Let me me say it this way, that it always calls you to believe in what you know. That's what faith is, in what you know about God. That's what faith is. It says, you want want more faith? Get to know God more. (laughs) You want to be more faithful in your location in your church in your family in whatever uh, state of life you are in make intimacy with God a priority it's not it's not something that you muster in yourself it's not something that comes out of something inside you it's something that you have to it's actually more about surrender. the bible doesn't call you to believe in something that may be true or may not be true that it's not like uh, maybe or a no, uh, kind of sort of it the Bible always calls you to believe and to trust in what you can know is true about God and about his word and about what he has done for you in Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. It's not, a, it, again, it's not, it's not about knowing the future. I don't, I, I don't mean to say to you tonight that when you have faith that you're just going to be uh, jumping into the future with joy and happiness and all these sorts of things. No, I, I don't mean that. It's not about knowing the future, because obviously we can't know the future. We don't even know what's going to happen in the next five minutes or the next hour, let alone the next week or day or year. It's not about knowing the future. Biblical faith is about, it's not about knowing the future. It's about knowing the one who's already in the future. It's about knowing the one who controls the future, who has actually ordained the future. See, that's how you can approach the future with joy. Not because you know what's going to happen, but because you know the one who knows what's going to (laughs) happen. See how that changes for you? That's why, you know, um, that's why we, me and my wife Natalie, we entered sort of this phase of our life, this season of our life coming down here with a lot of expectation, a lot of joy. We moved down here. I left a job that was secure and all these sorts of things. and uh, But we knew that God was there. And we knew that this is what God was calling us to. We didn't know how it was going to work. We didn't know all the details. And certainly, I can tell you story after story about how there were many times when I thought it wasn't going to work. Like when he almost took away our mortgage like three days before we were supposed to close. It was crazy. God just likes to test our faith. though, Like Gideon, right? Uh, whittling it down from one big thing to a small thing. But That's what he does. That's what God is calling us to. Not knowing the future. Not like we all have some sort of premonition and gift that we can see what's going to happen. No. No. But guess what? You know the one who does. You know the one who is already in the future. The one who has, guess what? He's paid for your future. All of your future faults Jesus has paid for by his blood already. You, that's the one you are called to know. And that's what faith is. It's stretching yourself out. It's laying yourself down on Jesus' feet and saying, you have my future. You have my life. And, and you know, God made, yes, like, like Jesus called us here into this place and we are so thankful that he did. He called us into the unseen. Yes, our future may be unseen. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know how it's going to work. Things like that. But it's never truly unknown. In the sense that you, that you can't have assurance that this is what God is doing for you. You can have assurance. Because God is already there. Listen to this quote by, uh, have you ever heard of, um, My utmost for his highest, Oswald Chambers? Uh, is a great, great devotional. Well, big fan, yeah, that's right. He has this great quote in one of his devotions. That's one that stuck with me, uh, many, for many, many years. He says this Faith never knows where it is, where it is being led, but it loves and it knows the one who is leading. That's what faith is. It doesn't presume to be a, 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 a genie and know the future, it does presume to know the one who does that's what faith is. It's stretching yourself out on that person. Not on your strength, his strength. And that's how, that's how I can say that faith isn't blind. You're not, you're not leaping into the, into the dark of the future, you're leaping into Jesus' arms. <laughs> that's a way, way better position is stretching yourself out on the God of the past, in the present, in the future. Look at, um, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. These are some fantastic verses, and I think they uh, go on to kind of prove what we're saying here tonight. Matthew 6, look at verse 33. Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You are putting your hope, your life, your life, On someone who already knows the future. Don't worry about tomorrow, he says. It has enough cares for itself. Be content and be present where you are. I think that's what he's saying. That's what biblical faith is. Again, stretching yourself out on God's faithfulness. His faithfulness for you. See, that's a game changer. Look, Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, 5. You probably know this verse. It says this. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's God's promise to you. That's God's covenant of faithfulness to you and guess what you know why i can say with utmost confidence that you can stretch yourself out on that promise well i'm going to read this verse for you numbers numbers chapter 23 verse 19 so in the old testament god says this god is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent hath he said and shall he not do it or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good what that verse is saying is god can't lie so if he says something you know he's going to come through for it he's going to fulfill it his covenant to you is that he's never going to leave you or forsake you so you can bank on it you can trust in it you can stress yourself out on that regardless and look what he says uh, i'm going to go back to hebrews chapter 10 because the writer there even he goes back and so that we can see this progression. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And why don't we have to waver? Because we know that God can't lie. For he is faithful that promised. We can hold fast. We can hold fast to the idea of laying ourselves out on Jesus because God can't lie. And he has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. Period. Period. That's what faith is. You can stretch yourself out on God in confidence because he is eternally faithful. And again, he can't lie. He can't deceive you. And that's what I think faith in Jesus means. It means laying your all at his feet and being okay with where he's placed you and what he's prepared you for. You know, I can think about that in my own life. That that uh, for uh, many years I was in a job that personally I hated. You know, I was in a job in a place where uh, I knew that God was calling into ministry, but God was not allowing that to happen. He was uh, closing this door and closing that door. Now I look back on it with you know 2020 20 vision. I can see God was preparing me for something way better than something that I would force. So why would, I be faith, why would I have faith in myself when I know that he has prepared me for something way better? It's, we can use this picture here of stretching yourself out on God, not only for faith in your life, that yes, for the future, yes, for whatever God's going to have for you in the next season, but more importantly, we can stretch ourselves out on Jesus for salvation. And I think that's where this true picture of faith in the, in this sense comes into full sort of vivid contrast. Because you see that the faith that saves you, the faith that justifies you isn't a, I, I hope I'm, I, I hope I'm doing enough, or I hope he doesn't remember this fault, or I hope he doesn't uh, think about this, or, or, the faith that saves comes when you stretch yourself out on Jesus' words, it is finished. That when he said it is finished, that he meant it. That when he paid for your sins, he paid for them in full. He didn't give you 99 cents and be, okay, make sure you give the last penny to get your redemption. Jesus paid the whole purchase. And it wasn't 99 cents. It was an infinite debt that you owed. And Jesus paid it in full. And not that he just paid in full, he he credited to your account an infinite resource of righteousness that's what you are stressing yourself out on that that you are a a vile vile sinner a person who deserves all of the torment of hell but you have found a savior or better the savior has found you and he has made a way for you to be rescued That is the Savior you are stretching yourself out on. The faith that's inspired by the Gospel is the faith that believes in Christ, as it says in Romans and as it says in Hebrews, this once for all payment of sin. I'm in Hebrews 10, I'm gonna read verse 10. It says, By the which will we, uh, excuse me, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all that's really important because the writer of Hebrews is talking to people that were really familiar with the Old Testament sacrificial system. And so in this system, they would make daily and weekly and yearly offerings for their sins. So they would come to this place and they would slaughter lambs. And that blood was a symbol of the the atonement that Jesus would make one day in the future. It was a symbol. It was something that they were putting their trust in. They were putting their trust in the idea that this was representing what Jesus was going to do. And the thing that the writer of Hebrews notes is he says um, that, that, that they weren't sufficient. Why? Because you had to keep doing them. It wasn't like one lamb paid for everything and you didn't have to do it again. You had to do this daily, weekly, yearly. It was something you were constantly doing. It was a part of your life, the sacrifice. What he says is in Hebrews and what the argument that he's making throughout this book is that uh, the faith of the gospel is the faith to believe that this Jesus, he paid for it all one time. He paid for everyone's sins. For the whole world. That's why he says in John 3 that God so loved the world that whosoever would stretch themselves out on Jesus might not perish but have eternal life. So what he's saying here, that once-for-all payment is something that we have to put our whole uh, faith in. And that's how we can see that this Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God works faith in us. So this fruit of faithfulness is worked in us when the Spirit shows us how faithful God is for us. That's where the fruit of faithfulness comes from. It doesn't come from you uh, uh, sort of uh, being more faithful. It comes from Jesus showing you how faithful he is. You see how that works? It's the spirit working in you to chisel away your own faithfulness in yourself. That is one of the most uh, things that tries a lot of Christians, a lot of believers. They end up trusting in themselves rather than in Jesus. And what the Holy Spirit does throughout our lives is He chisels away this thing and this thing and this secure security and that security. And what He's doing, like He was doing for Gideon, and like He does for us, He's whittling away all the things that we can rely on that aren't Him. Finances, friends, family, job. Whatever it is, he's going to whittle it away and, and, and just show you that he is a way, way better sufficient resource of faith than you are. Actually, it says in Lamentations 3 that he says, Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord my Father. I love that verse. Because God is great in faithfulness. And that's how we have to see that your faithfulness isn't sort of the channel uh, by which you earn God's favor. It's actually the channel through which you trust in God's favor for you. So you have to see that, that God has put his favor on you in Jesus Christ. Yes, for everyone. But some people don't believe in that favor. They reject that favor. They reject that gift, as it says in Ephesians 2. They turn it away and they trust in themselves. So the faith that this Holy Spirit brings in us is the faith to believe that Jesus has once and for all paid for sin and that favor is secure. So now we earn the title and we wear the title from Romans chapter 8, 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. Because of that once for all payment. Our faith in God the Father is, it is stirred and it is stoked by the faith of God the Son. Yes even in our wavering and even in our waffling. You know, we, as I, I, I kind of said at the beginning, that my faith isn't perfect. I waver, I, I waffle, I show my unfaithfulness a lot of the times. But you know what's amazing is that God is always faithful. I want you to look at this verse. This verse is incredible. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to highlight this verse Mark this verse or do something that you do. If you don't want to write in your Bible, that's fine. Just put this verse in your brain. Because this is what will stir you. So when you do mess up, not I'm not giving you a freedom to mess up. But when you do, because I know you will, because I do. <laughs> when you do, this is Jesus' promise for you. And this is what allows us to kind of get back up after we've fallen. What does it say in Second 2 Timothy 2.13? 2, This is awesome. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Or you know how we can say that? If you are faithless, he is faithful still. Because he can't deny himself. He has promised to be faithful for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is his promise. He can't break that covenant. And so what that means is that when we fall, Jesus is right there to pick us back up. And it pushes us to move forward even stronger. Because Jesus is always there. And that's what this faith is. It's stretching yourself out upon the good news of Jesus Christ for you. Forever. And, And why is this sort of relevant to us? Well, it was relevant to the Galatians because... If you remember, if you're in Galatians still, you might not be because I've taken you to so, a couple places. But the, the book of Galatians, it was written because the, the Galatian Christians were uh, up. They had been sort of upset. They had been confused by some false teachers that had infiltrated their church. So Paul had come and he had established this church and he had preached the gospel to them. And he had preached the gospel of, in, of, of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And he established this church. And then after he had left, these guys came in called the Judaizers. And they were like, yes, that. But also you have to do this too. And then, and then that's when your faith is secure. And so if you're, actually I'm going to read this verse. Because it's pretty amazing. So in Galatians um, 3, I like Paul is so blunt. He says, oh foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? (laughs) You guys, you fools, what are you doing? Don't you remember what I I taught you? And he goes on to say, look at verse 3 if you're there. He says, are you so foolish? He says it again. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Having begun by the Spirit. Uh, Do you think that your faith... That saves is is confirmed by something that you add to it? No, no. It's begun by the Spirit and it's going to be finished by the Spirit. Because God has promised that and he can't lie. That's why it says that this work is something that Jesus does, that God does, that this Holy Spirit of God does in us. He works faith in us by showing how faithful God is for us. Paul goes on to prove that throughout the rest of this book, throughout the rest of his letter to the Galatian church is just that. That don't rely on your own faith, stretch yourself out on Jesus. We can kind of think of it like this. That that faith in ourselves, when we have more confidence in what we can do and what we are, that's almost like your, it's like what I I would would call it rowboat religion. You're, You're rowing your own boat. And you're actually rowing upstream. I don't think that's going to be very effective. You're not going to be productive. You're not going to, be, that's actually going to be a miserable life. Faith in Jesus, stretching yourself on, on Him and His atonement, His once for all payment of sin uh, for your salvation is sailboat religion. Because this, this Holy Spirit of God is that wind in our sails that carries us on by a love that's secure and confirmed by Jesus' blood, not yours. Jesus' sacrifice, not yours. It's confirmed by that once and for all payment of sin that Jesus accomplished on your behalf. So you are then carried by something that is secure So you're stretching yourself out on something that is totally uh, secure and strong and on your side. See, that's what makes the faith of a Christian so much different than someone who's just having faith in something out in the world. Like we said, it's not blind. It's not a blind leap in the dark. It's stepping out in something you can know for sure, that Jesus took your sin on himself so that you could take his righteousness 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God hath made him to be sin for us, the one who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what you're stretching yourself out on. And I think that's what faith is. And I think that's what faith does. Let's pray.